ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Welcome back to Orange Nation. Pat Benatar turning 70 today, so she's our artist of the day. This one, I put We Belong up there as one of my favorites. Another one, not a big hit, but Hell is for Children. Another great song from Pat Benatar. uh, How many number one hits did she have? None. Oh, Five top ten. Back-to-back days with no number one hits. Yes. All right, uh, let's bring out our final guest today. If you happen to be watching us uh, at QSportsTalk.com, you see a good friend of the program, Aaron Solomon, head of strategy at Esquire Digital. Uh, Aaron, always great to chat with you. How are you today? It's great to be here. It's probably too late on the 10th to say Happy New Year, but Happy New Year anyway. Uh, Happy New Year uh, to you as well. Aaron, so we've been discussing on this show, I like to do a crazy bracket every year, and uh, we pick a, a topic. And this year I think I want to do vitamins and supplements as our bracket. If you were taking a, a supplement, do you take supplements, and what would what would be your number one seed? So by far my number one seed, and I hope it qualifies as a vitamin and supplement. I recommend this to everybody because you know you really can't tell by looking at me, but I'm 136. Apple cider vinegar. I'm telling oh, you guys, good apple one. cider vinegar and turmeric shots every waking minute. No, every day, not every waking minute. But yeah, <laughs> apple cider vinegar. Yes, I, I I drink apple cider vinegar myself. My wife swears by it. So there you go. See, I told you my wife would would uh, would back this. Uh, yes, this, bracket. this is going to be fun. The holistic uh, madness. Uh, all right, Aaron. Let's uh, let's talk about some some topics in the news right now that uh, you know we we need your your thoughts on your advice on and and I guess let's start with uh, you know an ugly situation going on at, at Texas and you know we heard the the accusations against Chris Beard and um and and, and what you know he did with his fiance and how he treated her and and uh, you know domestic violence situation there um, and he's he's fired by Texas which you know I think we would all agree sounds like the the right decision however. His attorney is alleging that the university never spoke with Chris or his fiance on the matter. So, if true, um, you know, what does that mean for for this process? If if he was declined due process, what does that mean in regards to his termination from the University of Texas? So that's super well said. In fact, the answer is right there in your question. If and it's a big if, right? Let's say it's a massive if. What Chris Beard's attorney is hypothesizing at this point is true, then that's going to probably mean that Beard was denied due process. And if he was denied due process, this is going to end up in a court of law. Um, He was fired for cause. Now, it wasn't just, and I say just, you know, very, very, uh, in a very focused way. It wasn't just domestic violence. It was felony domestic violence. So the University of Texas would have been perfectly in line to dismiss Chris Beer for cause from his contract. But again, if during the entire pendency of the investigation, it's true that they never spoke with Chris or with his fiancée, I think what we're probably going to find out one day in court is that they might not have done some other things that they should have done in a proper, thorough, and well-vetted investigation. So we're going to see that over the next few weeks and months. If it's true, Chris Beard won't walk away easily or quickly from that contract. What about a police report? Is that is that enough? Do they need to talk to a guy if they have the police report? I think they do because you know he hasn't been formally charged yet 
with felony offenses. And I think that an absolute minimum, the lawyers at a massive land grant university like University of Texas, right, are going to say, have we, you know, crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's? One of those should be, have we spoken to the coach? Have we spoken to the coach's fiance? Now, again, I'm sure that there are people out there saying the last thing the coach's fiance really needs to endure is an investigation or a questioning by the university. I get that. That's fine. But if they didn't speak to Coach Beard himself, uh, there may be some due process issues involved here. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the NFL now. And you know, we've uh, we've talked with you about the the Tua situation on and off, and and you know, throughout the year, and we, we've seen Tua suffer you know multiple concussions and the way that the Dolphins handled it. And then you you transpose that and contrast that to what we saw with the Demar Hamlin and and the way that you know not just the Bills and and obviously their their training staff and their medical staff and and obviously the ph- phenomenal job that the first responders did in that situation, but the way the Bengals handled the situation, frankly, as well, um, and and ultimately the league, you know, the Bills and Bengals and the league, they got together, they ultimately did the right thing, they suspended the game, went on to cancel the game, um, you know. Did, is there hope that maybe the league learned something from the handling of Tua and other injuries and, and so on and so forth, and that maybe they are truly placing a greater emphasis on player safety now? Well, what the NFL and everybody involved showed during the DeMar Hamlin situation is that they have the capacity to do things right, particularly the NFL. Again, absolute full credit to every single human being that was involved in helping save his life. They did a 100 out of 100 job in every single way. And that even goes down to NFL and NFL communications. Now, the Tua situation seems to be the inverse. It's Tuesday. And we're coming up on Super Wild Card Weekend. And the Miami Dolphins have yet to say 100% definitively that there's no way that Tua with three concussions is going to touch the field this weekend. In my opinion, the Dolphins, the National Football League, and all of these quote-unquote independent medical experts that have been dealing with Tua over the season, especially those experts, have committed both you know, league-wide and perhaps medical malpractice. I've written about that as recently as this week. I think it's something that's going to be coming up in the next few months, and I'm going to be able to point back and say, yes, I was one of those people. I was sign bunny carrying that flag saying Tua has not been properly treated. Is it possible that the Dolphins and Tua, everybody in the, inside that locker room knows that he's not playing, but they're doing it as a, well, let's keep the Bills guessing so that they have to waste time preparing for you know multiple quarterbacks, but we know there's, there's no way he's going to touch the field? Well, it's possible, but it's also evidence one day, perhaps in a trial, right? You know, for Tua to say, listen, as further proof of the fact that I was never well attended to with three concussions, people were saying that I was day by day and week by week. Have the Dolphins at all come out after those three concussions and said, listen, Tua has been shut down by us, the Miami Dolphins National Football League franchise, for his own well-being. Tua is a great quarterback and a great athlete, and he'd like to be out there playing for us, and there's no way we're allowing that. It seems to me like that might have a lot of mileage one day in a court of law. Yeah, that's a, that is a great point. Um, another NFL topic, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, we heard uh, from the Ravens yesterday, from players and coaches, and, you know, they're being very vague about whether or not Lamar Jackson is going to play, and, you know, he wants to play, but, he, you know, he's still hurt, and we don't know if he can go. You know, given his contract situation, I mean, what would be your advice to Lamar Jackson right now about whether or not he steps back on a football field. 
So let's remember that a lot of people were saying that Lamar Jackson shouldn't shoot up, suit up at all this season, right? That he didn't have much else to prove. He had an amazing season when he played. And for a lot of this season, he was at least in the dialogue about most valuable player. He has proven every single thing to the Baltimore Ravens franchise that he would ever need to prove. If Lamar Jackson, with the injuries that he's had this season, puts on a football uniform, that makes no sense at all. No football, no uniform. Lamar Jackson shouldn't even say the word Ravens until he has a new contract in front of him. If the Baltimore Ravens think they're going to do better than Lamar Jackson, with the quarterbacks that are in the draft, with the quarterbacks that are available and in the market, then they should go and get them. Otherwise, they need to shut up and pay Lamar. All right, uh, let's switch to, to baseball. And this Carlos Correa story is is something else. You know, he, he agrees in principle to the Giants. They find something in his medicals they don't like, and that deal falls apart. Then he, you know, agrees in principle to the Mets. They find something in his medicals they don't like. That falls apart. Now it sounds like he's going back and, and landing with the Twins. Can you walk us through this and explain to us, you know, what goes on when, you know, a team, you know, they say pending the physical. What can pop up during that physical that would warrant a deal falling apart? And are there certain things, like if it's a pre-existing condition that they should already know about, you know, is that is that agreement binding? How, how are, they, how are the, the teams able to get out of this agreement, I guess, is what I'm asking. Okay, well, so the answer is really simple. There's no agreement, so it's not binding. Uh, we shouldn't know about these things at all. Maybe you guys should because you guys are professional sports guys and insiders. So I'm fine if guys like you hear that the Mets are about to do a deal with him. But people like me on the outside shouldn't hear about this kind of stuff at all until a deal is actually done. Those deals are always pending a physical. So somebody in Correa's situation who has a pre-existing condition, nothing is signed. And even if a letter of intent was signed, of course, it's all signed on a mutually successful physical, which is why this afternoon it eludes me what the Minnesota Twins think they're going to find unless the Minnesota Twins are signing off on conditions that the Giants and that the Mets wouldn't sign off on because they've had this player and they know him and they know what he's about. I mean, either way, I think Correa wins, right? Whether it's six years, $200 million, like we're learning today, or whether it was 10 to 12 years between 315 and 350, as it was looking like a few weeks ago. If he gets a deal in any of those ranges, he's fine. But, but it's not a question at this point of a binding contract. Now, had he gone through a physical, had both sides said, okay, we're good, we're good for a deal, a deal is going through. And then 24 hours later, the Mets would have said, well, there's something else on the physical that we don't like. No, then they're stuck to the terms of a contract that's a binding contract. And by the way, that 24-hour thing was probably a bad example because each state has different laws as to when you can get out of a contract. But let's say it's a week later, then there's a binding contract and they got to pay them. MLB contracts are guaranteed. So could they technically make a contract that says, hey, we're going to pay you this, but if this injury comes back and bites us, the contract's null and void. So could they write into it if, say, he has an ankle injury, they don't have to pay him? No, but they would do the inverse. I think what they would do is they would, you know, 
uh, teams would offer a relatively low ball contract, but they would give what's commonly known as an on-field incentive, right? They would say, if you play 100 games during the season, it, it's an extra $7 million. It's an extra $10 million a season. Um, and that way you kind of get around any issue you have with health in the contract. But no, they can't put those kinds of clauses in because they will run counter to the collective agreement. Yeah, right. Um, uh, great stuff as always, Aaron. Anything else you want to touch on that, that we didn't hit on? No, I think we're all good, and I just hope that everybody has like a really safe and amazing football, uh, you know, super wild card weekend. All right. Uh, again, you can find his work at todaysesquire.com, and maybe by the next time we have Jan, maybe this vitamin bracket will be underway, and you can uh, help us decide who it advances in said bracket. I'm up for that. All thanks, right. guys. Have a great day. All right. Thanks. Uh, you too. Aaron Solomon. Have you resigned yourself to the fact that it's happening? I can tell it's happening. I'm not thrilled about it, but I can tell it's happening. Yeah. And as I mentioned in the last segment, like I feel like when we first started doing this show together, I, I considered myself a smart person. I think I've gotten dumber as we've worked together. My job here is done. <laughs> as I like to say, thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, we'll we'll hit our final timeout. There's still time to check in if you want to do so at 315-437-7644. Uh, we'll wrap things up right after this on ESPN Radio.